welcome to the Guide Not Guru podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Brock. My purpose is to empower women to create authentic, aligned, and abundant lives. After over a decade of mentoring women in business and self-leadership, I found that we don't need to adopt a guru's blueprint. We need guides to help us build our own. So if you're ready to lead and be a work in progress, you've come to the right place. So today's podcast is going to be rich with my guest expert, Julie Solomon, who is a personal branding coach. She is a best-selling author. She is the top of the charts as a podcast host, and she's been spending the last 15 years helping women turn their messages into movements. And y'all on this episode, like it's so good. We talked about everything from money healing to the power of masterminds. We talked about the power of your vision, and we went into how to increase your visibility and your income. So whether you're interested in making more money, healing from money, growing your business, this is going to be an episode for you. So enjoy. All right, friends, I'm so excited to be here with the amazing Julie Solomon, who is just a genius in all things business and branding and authenticity and bringing your magic to life and getting what you want. And Julie is one of these people who I think the universe brought me, which I was so grateful for because I found out about who she was. And then she just kept showing up in my world, like all around, like collective people. I'd be like, and there's, they're with Julie and oh, she's in Nashville. And I've been to Nashville lately. You know, there she is with Jessica Zwieg. And I know Jessica Zwieg and like all these people. And I just was like, okay, I have to know this person. And the more that I've gotten to know Julie, she has given me such a genuine energy and feeling around being a boss in business. She is as genuine and loving as she comes off and she's as powerful and strategic as you hope that she would be as a mentor. So Julie, I'm so excited to unpack some really big conversations for women in business today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for your kind words. And I believe that, um, it's all a mirror. And so we are not here by accident, especially we're, we're actually recording this on International Women's Day, which I, I love. <laughs> so I it's just a beautiful thing. So thank you so much for, for having me and allowing me to be of service to your community. Yay. So Julie, before we really get into talking about some big topics around business and how to make more money and be more consistent and have more success and stand out online, I would love to hear more about your story and how you became this go-to person in PR and in this industry and helping other women stand out online. Mm. Well, I think it really starts with, um, and maybe you can relate to this, Kelly, like, have you ever noticed or had those moments in your life that just kind of stick with you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, right, like they often center around a big flash of insight. And for me, those insights are usually in the wake of like a major loss or change or just some kind of like crazy rock bottom moment. And it was actually in one of those moments in my life where I had to ask myself, how do I get what I want when I think that what I want is impossible? Wow. And little did I know that just by asking myself that question, I would free a part of me that was stuck and I literally set my life on a whole new course. And it was one of much needed self-exploration and discovery. And it was honestly a path that until just a few years ago, really, I mean, I could have never imagined existed because so much of my life has changed in the last, you know, really like eight years. So Wow. If you'll allow me to transport you back. Yeah. <laughs> it was the spring of 2015. And at the time I was living in Los Angeles where I had moved two years prior from Nashville after meeting John, my husband, the love of my life. And from the outside looking in, ours was this, you know, storybook Hollywood romance. Mm -hmm. 
I got to do a lot of really fun things and be a part of his world of Hollywood and walk red carpet events and just all of the glamour, right? And our son, we had a 20-month-old son at the time. He's now nine, but Camden, he was happy. He was healthy. My husband's business was doing well. And then my PR business that at the time, it focused on getting press for New York Times bestselling authors was doing well. And so was my side hustle that I actually started when I moved to Los Angeles. I was a lifestyle blogger. So outside looking in, like I was busy, I was doing all the things. Like when I wasn't working on PR for clients or monetizing my blog, I was out networking, um, you know, meeting other lifestyle bloggers and, you know, going to the trendiest restaurants and attending the, you know, high profile influencer events and just doing all the things that I could do to try to fit in and be seen because that was, I didn't realize at a time, but a big thing for me. But as the months passed, I began to notice that the harder that I worked to try to be somebody and to try to create a name for myself, the more pressure that I felt to try to keep up with social media, with what I would, you know, everything that was happening outside of me. And the more social media that I consumed, and mind you, this was back in 2015. So this was still early, but it was happening. It was like the more that I consumed it, the more that I fell into that comparison trap. And it left me with this just insatiable, insatiable longing to be the perfect mom, to be a part of this community and to fit in. Mm. And so I remember thinking to myself, well, one way that I could fit in was to try to look the part. So I began shopping. And one day I'd buy a new pair of shoes and then I'd buy a new outfit. And then, you know, I would go and show off my look and feel special. And I remember how amazing it felt when I would make a purchase. Mm -hmm. Like every time I would walk out of the store with a new shopping bag or an Amazon package would arrive in the mail, like I, I felt this temporary dopamine hit of much needed happiness. But... There was just a little tiny issue. Although my businesses were doing well, they weren't they weren't doing well enough to cover the amount that I was spending. And so I had this credit card and I was just racking it up. And I know that it sounds nutty when I like looking back on it when I think about it, but to be honest with you Kelly, I didn't give my spending all that much thought. I mean, I was even telling myself like, Julie, you're just buying little things here. It's not like you're going to Rodeo Drive and buying right. luxury items or, you know, just the, like the denial and justification of my purchases. Yeah. And so one day out of the blue, when my husband called me up and he said, hey, hon, when were you going to tell me about the credit card? I just kind of sat like slack jawed at the kitchen table being like, holy crap, how do I fix this? And he just said, Julie, how on earth could you have racked up over $30,000 in debt and never even mentioned that fact to me once? And it was like in that moment, it was like an outer body experience if you've ever had one of those. Like I still so vividly remember sitting at that kitchen table and like I was like above myself. Yep. And the truth was I was living a gambler's lie. I was always reassuring myself that with that next big cash windfall, I'd pay the whole thing off. We'd be fine. I'd figure it out. But of course, it never magically rained money. Mm. And looking back on it, by keeping that secret, and we can talk about why that was and kind of my origin story and everything that led up to this. But I think by by pretending like it was no big deal, it never even dawned on me that beyond betraying myself, I had betrayed my husband and I had betrayed my son. And those were like the two people that mattered most in my life. And I, it makes me emotional still to this day. Like I remember that call, he he kept talking, but I couldn't even hear what he was saying because my internal voice, Kelly, it was just screaming at me. It was like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you so afraid to be honest? What is wrong with you? And so you know, he ended that call that day. He was just like, Julie, so it doesn't affect our credit. I'm now going to have to take money from like savings and our son's college savings to cover it off. But you you have to pay us back. Like you mm-hmm. have to pay this back. And luckily he gave me that grace. I mean, he was tough on me, but he gave me that yeah. grace. But I just remember being like, 
how the F am I going to pay this back? Like, it's going to take me years to pay this back. And so the weeks and months kind of started to follow. And I just had this like emotional pendulum that was swinging, you know, between embarrassment and shame and anger and guilt and all those things that putting myself and my family into this really stupid situation. But the bright side to this is that it gave me this beautiful gift, this beautiful opportunity to really change. Mm. And so I had to ask myself in that moment, I had to ask myself, well, first, like what led me here? Like I've got, I got to get to the root. Like I've got to pull this root out so it doesn't keep growing. And then I also had to ask myself, Julie, like you're an adult now, (laughs) like you're, you're a mother, you're a wife, you're an adult. Do you want to continue to be this prisoner of your own denial, of your own self-deception, or are you going to set yourself free and choose the truth? And so that was the precipice of everything else that's to come that we can talk about. (laughs) I want to unpack so much, but what I want to unpack that resonates with me and I've shared in other episodes on my podcast has been that same thing. I've been an entrepreneur for almost 14 years now and leading women, being an influencer. Um, and if you all haven't listened to Julie's influencer podcast, did you coin influencer? Because I feel like by the time you came out with the podcast, like that could have been your word. I don't know. But I knew I was influential and I knew I knew how to make money. And so I did that same thing. I was pulling from these other accounts, like tax accounts and things like that to invest now, spend now, all these things. And I remember having almost a similar moment with my husband where it was like tax time. He was like, Hey, we owe like tens of thousands of dollars for taxes. Like you've got that. Right. And I was like, I don't. And he was like, where is it? And I was like, we don't have it. And he was like, Oh, it's not a, we don't have it. You don't have it. Like what happened? And I had to have that same moment of shame. You said out of body. I, I see mine out of body too. I'm like looking down at that situation and it was so much shame And it was so much embarrassment because I thought, why would I make choices like that? Like why I make good choices. I'm a good person. Like why would I make Mm -hmm. such irresponsible, but they had been such small little things along the way. You were talking about spending. It's like, it's not like I was spending it on trips. It was like, babe, that was groceries. And that was this shirt for this thing. And that was the gift for our niece. And that was like all these things that I was just mismanaging. That was the matcha latte for that. Right. It was like, Like, exactly. It was justification. Right. But it was the compound effect of so many unconscious out of alignment decisions that got us in a massive amount of debt that I had to be responsible for. And that was a big pivotal moment for me too, to say like such a sense of awareness to say, why would I do that? So it brought you, Julie, to that moment why were you choosing that? Like, what were, what was the reason behind that? What were you wanting? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's in some ways it is, um, it's how I learned to survive. I grew up to give Mm -hmm. you a background and I talk about this. The first chapter of my book is really setting the stage for this. And I talk about, we all have an origin story and Mm -hmm. it's the story of our origin. And it really, if shapes the beliefs and the habits that we create in our lives. And if we're not aware of what that is, then we can really kind of go haywire. And so I had to get back to the root of what was my story around money? What was my story around spending? What was my story around not being able to advocate for myself and not being able to speak up? Um, what was my story around needing um, vindication from other people to be accepted and loved and liked? Yeah. And, you know, why was my worthiness contingent on someone else saying, you look the part, you are the part, you're worthy. And so it was so many layers of this. And so with my family upbringing, I was raised in a really small town in Tennessee. I did not come from money. Both of my parents did not go to college. My dad literally wore a blue collar to work every day and they did the best that they could, but it was very scarce. It was always Mm. like, are we literally going to have enough money to pay the bills? And it was constantly this, you know, this credit card's maxed out, this credit card's maxed out, this one's maxed out. We're, you know, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. I mean, it was always this constant, just 
literally living paycheck to paycheck and trying to keep our heads above water. And, um, and then my parents got divorced and money was a big reason for that. My mom also had habits that weren't, um, great with her. I remember her going and shopping and even though she was going to Walmart, she would take the bags and she would run into the house and hide them in her closet. So my dad wouldn't see them. Mm -hmm. And so I would watch these things happen, right? I would, I would hear these things and I would watch these things. And so I started to make up this story of, okay, um, you're not supposed to shop and spend money. And if you do, you need to hide Hide it. Hide it, go hide it in the closet. Um, You know, money, there's never enough of it. You know, it's it's also the root for a lot of pain and despair and sorrow and heartbreak. It's meant to be, you know, stressed out. You got to work hard and hard and hard and hard and hard and hard just to get by. Yep. And so as I started to learn and become aware of my origin story, And then how kind of that belief system also played into like the worthiness piece, right? Mm -hmm. The more that Julie can work hard and the more that she can perform and the more that she can make other people feel good about themselves, the more that she's loved. And so then that was like a layer to it. And so it was, it was all of these compounding things to my origin story that led up to the spending, that led up to hiding and lying about the spending, that led up to the secrets, and that led up to even just my own denial when it came to money. You know, I would tell myself things like, oh, I don't need to worry about the money in the bank account. You know, this, my husband or insert magical fairy will come down and figure out the finances. (laughs) I'm just going to go make the money. But like other people will deal with that. Um, And I can't tell you how many women I work with that like are terrified to look at their bank statements. They don't even, you know, they don't even know. Terrified. Oh, Julie, that was me too. Terrified. Right. And that was me for a long time. You know, I remember my mom, like it's still to this day, she doesn't really handle the money, you know? So that was kind of modeled to me. I, I remember also, you know, a story that I would tell myself is since I'm a girl, I'm not good at math and I'm Mm -hmm. not good at numbers. So I'm not going to be able to figure this out. And I know that there, I know I've met a lot of women who are accountants and they, they always loved math and they're like, well, that was never my problem. But for me, it was, was I always story. made up and told myself, well, I was never good at math, you know? And it's so funny now thinking back to it, I'm like, you know, a, a P&L statement is nothing but like fourth grade math and a calculator. Like it's not, it's not like I'm having to do, stati- you know, arithmetic statistics over here. But um, I would just say these things to myself, even subconsciously, you know, this is just what was playing in my head. And until I had to become aware of it first, and so I could then accept it. Mm. And then once I was able to accept reality on reality's terms and accept, okay, I got myself into this situation, whether consciously or unconsciously, now what am I going to do about it? And that's really where the action piece comes in. But I had to, I had to accept my part to play and what got me here. And I think for a very long time, you know, I could be aware of the behaviors, but I would rationalize or justify them. Like I never wanted to accept because if, if I accept, that means like, oh, now I have to take responsibility for this. And it's a lot easier to play the victim and yep. to not take responsibility for it than it is to be radically responsible for the actions and for even your belief systems that create yep. the habits that give you the actions and the results in your life. So Julie, when I was reading your book and y'all, you have to get her book, it's called Get What You Want. And I was reading and I think I I like double underlined it. Like that's how I know it's really good. It's like I took the pen and like really I'm highlighting this one. When you were talking about the fact that as a people pleaser, it's so hard to be misunderstood. So you justify, you rationalize, you like, well, here's all my, oh, you said it's like well-meaning intentions. Like this was well-intended. Yet it was still irresponsible. Like I made the choice, you made the choice. And I think that can be such a dangerous thing when we are unaware of some of these unhealthy patterns we're bringing in, especially even into this entrepreneur space. At least for me, I I was not aware until I became aware by a really big catastrophic, you know, event that like yours that made me have to be aware. But all along the way, I'd had signs. I'd had signs of discomfort and victim mentality, mm-hmm. but it was never enough. And I brought into my industry of being, for me, it was network marketing for 10 years. And then in this online space as a coach and a mentor and a business, you know, leader, but it's like, I'm, 
why am I so motivated to spend money, invest, make decisions for this likability, for this Mm. being needed to be seen and understood? It's like where all my endorphins went off was, but people like Mm. me. And I imagine like in the blogger space, I've never had a blog, but like, Julie, what was that space like for you? Because that's so image driven. Yeah. I mean, I think another, another thing, another caveat to this was that I was very new to a very big city, to Los Mm. Angeles. Like I had only been there for two years. I had just had a baby. And so it's like, oh, yay, I'm like barefoot and pregnant. No one wants to hang out with me, you know? (laughs) From Tennessee. I'm this like pregnant woman, (laughs) right? (laughs) Bacon pies. Um, And then my husband, because of his work as an actor, he was constantly gone. I mean, he would be shooting for weeks on ends on location. And so I barely had enough time to like brush my teeth, let alone make new friends. Yeah. And so a part of the shopping was about this, this longing for connection, this longing for acceptance, this longing for friendship. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I got into this blogger world and tried to like get out there just to meet people and feel like I had friends and feel like I had a support system and feel like that I had a companionship. And so a lot of it really stemmed from that, from my you know, I just like my little, the little girl who's like in the sandbox being like, I promise I'm really fun. Just like come (laughs) play with me in the sandbox. You know, it's like, and no one wants to come to my sandbox. And so it was, it was that it was needing to feed that it was needing to, you know, the the shopping, it it did cover up for the loneliness that I felt. Mm. There was a lot of that and it was hard. I mean, and, and at the time, and it's still this way, I mean, Los Angeles is when it comes to, and we kind of know it more now, it used to be called blogging. We kind of call it like influencers now, right? Influencer right. marketing, content creation. It's 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 the, the top 1% of the top 1% live there and work there. Mm. And so you're, you're constantly around this very image-focused, image-minded, as long as people think, you know, and for my Enneagram three heart, it's like, it couldn't be. And it was just like the hit of all of that. Right. It's like, as long as I look the part and and everyone thinks it's great, it's fine. And so I was motivated a lot, a lot by that. Very, very image driven. And, and what people thought of me was very important Mm -hmm. and the perception, you know, I wanted to be perceived as accomplished and successful. And like I had it all together and all of those things, because obviously behind the scenes, that's what I wanted more than anything, but I felt like a fraud. I felt like it was all for naught. And so there was a lot of self-concept changing that needed to happen. I just, I had such a poor self-concept around money, around worthiness, around my ability just to be who I am. And that is enough just the way Mm. that it is. Um, And so a lot of discovery had to come next, which was, you know, therapy, reading books, going to conferences, listening. Podcasts at the time weren't as big, but I would listen to some, watching YouTube channels, like anything that I could do to figure out you know, clearly my problem is far less financial than it is emotional. Right. So what do I need to do to really get to the other side of this? Well, and I love that you said like it came from a place of self-awareness and self-acceptance. I I do this process called my release process and it's self-awareness, self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-responsibility, and then self-alchemy. Like let's move that now through us. And So there's this next level of like, I need to be loving and understand this has been a wounded version of me that has taken action here. And also now I'm aware. And so there's some action I need to take so that I can authentically show up. And I'm just curious, Julie, at least for me as an Enneagram three, when I imagine myself achieving, it's actually well intended. I have a big purpose in my heart. Like I really do care about other people. And so I'm curious, how did you start to take action that aligned you to your real authentic purpose and then put that energy online? Because there was a difference. Yes. So it it first took a lot of inner work. Like you cannot like success and inner work are intertwined. Like you, Mm -hmm. you cannot have one without the other and be fulfilled. So there was a lot of really peeling back the layers to all of that. And then also too, just the awareness of, 
you know, I had had success in in my life up, up at that point. I mean, I went to college. I had a college degree, which was more than my own parents had. I moved to New York City without knowing anyone. I had no job and no friends and got this amazing job and started working as a publicist. Like, I'm a scrappy person. Like, I'm going to hustle <laughs> my way and figure it out. And so, but I had to get very keenly aware of, I feel I that can be a strength. That can be my greatest strength, but it can also be my greatest defect. And so I had to start to become aware of what were, you know, these badges of armor, so to speak, that I was, Mm -hmm. that I was wearing and using like this, this prideful thing. Like I'm scrappy. I'm a hustler. I can figure, you know, I get what I want when I want, how I want it most of the time. But I had to really get to the root of when is this actually serving my greatest, my greatest good and my highest self? And when is it not? And so when I got some clarity around that, I started to realize that I have always had this gift ever since I was really young. And I think it's what made me have success as a publicist at such a young age. I mean, I remember since I was like 19 or 20 years old, I have this gift of seeing women, especially, but people, I, I, I see that star quality about them mm. and kind of that, that their soul's calling and their soul's purpose. And I have this way of helping them crack that open and getting it out to the world in a really expansive way. And so it, it allowed me to be a great publicist and, you know, really great at connecting, you know, people to, I would hear someone's story and I'm like, oh, you need to meet this person because this person's going to help you do this. Or, oh, Mm -hmm. I've got this idea or, oh, this could help. Like I've always had, it's, it's in my design. It's in my DNA to just have that. And when I was able to tap into that and tune into that in a way that was deeper and more meaningful and really rooted more into my soul and less superficial about me achieving something, that's when things started to shift. And so it was during this reckoning of after the credit card debt and like really doing a lot of deep work on myself and a lot of therapy and a lot of those things that I had to start getting clear on, okay, what do I really want to do? And that is when I I discovered, I was like, you know what, I'm I'm sick and tired of PR and I've actually been sick and tired of it for a long time, but because it was my bread and butter, I was so afraid to admit it. Mm -hmm. But then I got this client from hell (laughs) and working (laughs) with him was so awful. My body broke out in hives from head to toe, which was like sign from the universe, right? Like something's not in alignment. And I knew that something had to change. And then at the same time, and this is kind of going back to that, like, gift that I was tuning into, I started to realize that there was, there was real legitimate money to be made online and not Mm. just like superficial, oh, look how cute I am in my outfit, but legitimate money that, that could really impact not only myself and my family, but the lives of, of others. And so because of my PR background and because of this gift that I had, I knew how to build relationships. I knew how to find these things in women, these things that they probably couldn't see in themselves, but like help them find that and pull them out. I knew how to pitch because Mm -hmm. of my years as a publicist. I knew how to negotiate for things and I knew how to confidently articulate what it is that somebody wanted or that I wanted and, and, and close a deal to where everyone wins. And so I just got started with shifting my focus. Instead of just being this blogger to be seen, I was like, I'm going to start to really try to monetize this brand that I'm creating online. And so I started to work with brands. And Mm. very, very quickly, I started to get traction because I knew how to do those things. And the brands felt seen and heard by me and they loved working with me. But it was so funny, Kelly, because my fellow blogger friends at the time, they were having the hardest time pitching and marketing Mm -hmm. themselves. And they would have, you know, at the time I might've had 10,000 followers and they had like 250,000 followers, which nowadays would have been like millions of followers. But they would say to me, they were like, no offense, Julie, but how is it that you have like no following and you're making all this money (laughs) and you're building on these relationships? And then I have this big following and I'm making like $10 off my like to know it shirt, you know, like what's, (laughs) what's happening. And so that's when I saw this demand for coaching and guidance and mentorship in this arena. And that's when I finally said, I think this is, 
I think this is the next step. I don't know what the bigger calling is, but like all of this couldn't be for nothing. So it's, you know, the credit card debt, all of this work that I'm doing on myself. And mind you, this was probably about a year and a half after the credit card conversation. So Mm -hmm. for like 18 months, really hammering into this, starting to try to work in a different way, starting to really root into what lit me up, um, what got me excited, um, what I was receiving from it as much as I was giving, um, because that's like a people-pleasing boundary thing that I really had to work on. And that's when I just, I gave myself permission. I stopped waiting for the permission and I just, I quit PR. I was like, I'm not taking on any other clients. Um, and I launched really what is now my, my coaching business today. It started as courses, online courses. And then of course, you know, grew to masterminds and, and doing what I do now. And then the podcast came and all of that, but it was really that precipice of, of, um, honoring my background, honoring my experience. Like, what am I good at that people would pay for? And does it light me up enough to just get me to the next step? Does it feel aligned enough? And and that's really what kicked it off for me. Well, and you've now been leading thousands of women online, both in mentoring them for free in your podcast, holding masterminds, speaking across the world, working with big brands, helping influencers, whether from online businesses to huge companies do this. So one of the things that I know about you is you really help people find what is their own personal message and how do we make that a movement? So talk to us about that because I just believe that we each have this thing to do and the online space is the most freedom is my number one value. So let me personally express the thing that I'm called to create with my life. I really, it's why I love female entrepreneurship because it's just like, this is the place I get to create without limits the thing I'm called to create with my life. And so talk to us about how we find our message, how we move into a movement and how we make that really like, not just a cute follower account, but we make this thing, make money for our families because it can. Yeah. Well, I think, so I would love to start with one kind of piece that has to come first and then we can kind of get into some of the like tactics and and how I did this for myself and then how I help others. So during my discovery of like a lot of the inner work, I started to learn about the difference between a poor self-concept and a strong Mm self-concept. And so I'll, we can have a a, a self-concept about anything, right? But I'm going to talk about it in the sense of money right now. So there's, and there's actually been a study done that you can never, that says that you can never earn 10% more or less than your self-concept level of income. Wow. So what this means is if you earn 10% more, and this is what happened to me, if you earn 10% more than your concept level of what you think you're worth, you will have an irresistible urge to get rid of it. To blow it. You literally cannot. Yes, you will just overspend. It will burning a hole through your pocket. Now, if you earn 10% below your concept level of income of what you're worth, you will start to engage in scrambling behaviors. Mm. Like, got to work harder. I got to work faster, better, faster until you get to the comfort zone. And then once you hit the comfort zone, you're like, ah, okay. So now I can chill. Yeah. So when I started to learn about this psychology, essentially, and it, it plays in every part of our life, I started to realize that the only way I was going to increase my income is that I had to expand the comfort level with regard to what I wanted to earn. That way I didn't overspend again. Because really, and I know this now just from working with so many women, there is zero difference. And I want the women that are listening to this to hear this and like really take it in. There is zero difference in talent or experience or anything between someone earning, say, 100000 a year and 500000 a year. The only difference is that one has settled at the 100K level self-concept and the other one has refused to settle at anything less than 500K a year. And what that truth taught me is that you can never earn more on the outside than you do on the inside. And so I had to start there and I had to really, I, I kind of started to think about the money that I wanted to call in it was like an income thermostat. 
that determined my earning temperature. So when the thermostat is set at a certain temperature, it's going to adjust its settings to remain there. And in the same way, if you're someone who sees yourself as a 50K a year person, you will continue to engage in the behaviors and patterns that keep your income adjusted there. And so when I started to realize this, not only with my income, but my ability, my, my confidence, my ability to advocate for myself, my ability to pitch myself and negotiate for what I wanted, I, I realized that I, in order for me to increase my income, I had to first achieve the goals in my mind before yeah. I achieved them in reality. I had to increase that internal self-concept of money bit by bit until I really thought and felt myself as a higher income earner of someone that was worthy of the income that I said that I wanted. So it it had to start there. So is this, are you saying really you had to get to a place of a visual internal experience of you at that level of life or income or lifestyle or purpose work and to have emotionally experienced it so many times in your body that you started mm-hmm. taking action from that place. Because Julie, one of the things I love about you is you and I hold, I think, energy and physicality similar. It's not just woo. It's not just like, right. I'm going to visualize it. I it's, wish it I'm could gonna, be. I oh know. Gosh, gosh, I, I, wish it could be. I tried. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Because I, I know how to hustle. So I swung to the other side, learn, learn how to manifest. But it's from that visualization, I'm curious, is it because of that, that it caused you to take action that then built the self-efficacy, your own like belief in yourself that made you actually believe that vision is real because just visualizing it, I don't think is enough. No, it's not. And I think that a lot of people wait for that or they yeah. wait for the confidence to get the clarity, but, yeah. but it's, it's actually the opposite. And so it was about, the, and what helped me root in, and anyone that's listening to this could do this. It's like where you're at today, what is something that you you know that you're good at. You know that you have just this thing. Like we all have that thing. Like I was saying, I was like, I don't know how to really say it other than just like, I've always been great at connecting people. And I've always been great in like seeing things that other people can't see. And I've always been great at articulating that. And, you know, it's like rooting into what is that thing for you? And can you really start to just own that? And like just embody it little by little every day, because that's what's going to build the confidence to get it going. And that's really what allowed me to give myself permission and to say, I'm not going to keep doing this stuff that I don't want to do. That's not lighting me up. Like this is my life. Yeah. This is my life. Like, why would I keep doing something that doesn't fill my soul up? That doesn't like, I know there's something bigger out there. And so that's what did it for me. And when I allowed myself just the courage and just to do it when I was terrified to do it when I didn't know all the next steps. I just needed the first next step. Then I created the course and then that got a little bit of traction. And then I gave my per- permission, myself permission to create the podcast. And then that became this great way for more people to get to know me and get to hear about my, my expertise. So the visibility started to grow a little bit. And then because of that, people inquired more about what I did for a living. And then so slowly by slowly within that year, I had made $250,000, which was amazing. Like Mm -hmm. I was able to pay off Mm -hmm. the debt. Like I was able to pay our family back in full. That was like the greatest feeling in the world to like that, that one thing that I thought that I couldn't do. It still makes me emotional to this day. It's like to let go Mm -hmm. of that guilt and shame. And to like replace it with like the one thing that you think that you can't do, but you have to be willing and you have to have the courage to allow yourself to get there and to allow yourself to experience it. And so that was kind of like the first step for me, but I knew that there was still so much more room to grow my business after that. And can we, can we just pause on there for a second? Because like the fact that that's emotional for you, like I feel it for myself, but I would imagine that that was such a sense of release and a confidence builder in your own capability to be like this biggest fear, this biggest debt that I owed my family. Like how did even that fulfillment of that catapult you in your confidence and your energy moving forward? Like that was a big thing. It was huge. I mean, and and honestly, to this day, I mean, being able to reimburse that money, Mm -hmm. it was, it was one of the 
best exercises in confidence building because it was, it was this thing that it was like, I just let go of all of this crap (laughs) that was not serving me. And I replaced it with the knowledge and the knowingness that I conquered the very thing that I just two years before Mm. that believed that I couldn't do. I believed it wasn't possible. Yeah. And improving that to myself. But if I didn't allow myself to just take action, to just try, to just test this thing out, I would have never given myself that gift of proving it to myself. And I think that that's the thing that I see a lot of women, they, they wait. It's like they need the evidence. They yeah. need, you know, before they'll allow themselves the courage or permission to just do it. It's like they keep waiting for this magical day and there is no magical day. The, the magical yeah. day, you create yeah. the magical day. <laughs> Yeah. And the magical day, I imagine you didn't pay, well, whether you put it in an account or you paid it all off at once, like you, you ticked away at that account, at that debt, at that, whatever, over and over again, it was all the tiny moments that counted that brought this really big sense of realization. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to reflect on that because the Julie that we are getting to experience right now, she's a product of the Julie that had enough courage to say like, I'm in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my own shame, in the middle of my own debt, and I'm going to believe for something bigger. Like, it's just so powerful for women to understand you're, you are, we are all starting at some starting place that might be messy and challenging. And yet it's still worth taking that step. Yes. And, and, and it doesn't end because I, I even remember at this stage, right? right? This stage actually then revealed something else to me. And this stage of, right, I had made, which, and before that I was making about 60 grand a year. So I went from 60 K to 250 K, which is huge. And I paid off the debt and I started to work for myself and I started to little by little get the courage. But at this stage, it became painfully clear to me that while I might be able to kind of hustle my way to that 250K mark on my own, there was no way I was going to push beyond that alone. And then Mm. I had this other limiting belief that came up because I was, and this was, again, I had to go back to that self-concept. I was struggling with this thought, Kelly, of other people can make a million dollars, but me, yeah. And it, 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 again, it was like, even though I had done the work in, on myself, I, I, there was still this belief system in me because of how I was raised that money was a language I didn't speak because it was a culture mm-hmm. and a frame of mind that I wasn't just naturally exposed to. But something happened during this time that helped me see what was possible in making more money. And when I saw that possibility, it became my goal. And I remember the day that I, like, I wanted to make a million dollars and I set my sights on it. I was sitting at the same kitchen table where I had been in all the debt, you know, like multitasking, doing all my stuff. When one of, one of this, this woman that I used to follow at the time, her name's Melissa Griffin. She notified her followers that she had made a million dollars in less than 12 months. And I was like, I mean, a year, like she made a million dollars in a year. I, 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 I didn't even know that yep. was possible. Like she made a million dollars in a year yeah. selling courses online. You know, I just remember staring mm-hmm. at the screen being like $1 million. And as soon as I said those words, and as soon as I just like saw that, it's kind of like, if you spot it, you got it. Like as soon as I saw her do that, yep. it was like something inside me just clicked and it it dawned on me in that moment that Melissa had made the announcement, not as if she'd won the lottery <laughs> or that she found a cure for cancer. She talked about it as though it was as commonplace and doable as like learning how to swim or ride a bike. Like it was just like, wow, just the norm. Like all you have to do is learn something, surround yourself with people that are thinking bigger and put it into motion. And so I started just to kind of follow her, right? And and watch her. And she she created more courses. She was scaling her services. She was like doubling. She used to do these income reports on her blog. And she was like doubling her money every single month, like 150K, 250K, $400,000 months. And I'm like, what is... 
what is happening? You know, I, how, I just thought, that, right. I was like, I just thought Beyonce made that kind of money. Not like, you know, Melissa on the internet, <laughs> you know, I was like, what's happening, you know? And so I just, I began to see everything around money differently. And as a result, my beliefs started to change. I remember thinking to myself, yeah. I don't have to be fluent before I start, but if I want mm. to be the millionaire that I want to be, I have to start preparing to be her. But then I just wondered, I was like, okay, well then like, what, what does that look like? Like, what does a millionaire focus on? What are their daily goals? Who do they surround themselves with? So like good. how, like what, what does their day-to-day look like? Like I needed the answers to all these questions because that's who I wanted to become. And as I kept following Melissa, it just, it dawned on me. It was like, she's had success in the exact arena that I want to have success in. So why don't I just work with her? And I'm such a believer mm. in like, the, the easiest way to fast track your success is you find someone who has successfully done what it is that you're trying to do and you go work with them. And oh gosh, I remember that I so had good. the opportunity. She was, because I've been following her. This was now 2017. So I'd been following her for a year, like, you know, internet being like, who is this amazing, magical <laughs> unicorn? And she had a mastermind. She was launching a mastermind. And now this was back in 2017 before masterminds were like they are now. So it was very rare, especially for a woman to have a mastermind. And it was, and this was how like naive I was, Kelly. I was like, because the the sales page didn't have a it didn't have an investment price on it, so I was like, oh, maybe this is just like a free group that like she like no. picks me, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm just you know going back to like my my need to be. Yes. She's gonna pick me, and like I'm gonna get to this is her that's free great. beta test. It's like no, sweetie, that's not how it works. So I I remember sitting there. And, and I knew too, like I knew that I needed to be pushed, right? I knew that I was at a place that I needed to be stretched. But of course I get on, I apply, I get on the call with Melissa and she's like, yep, it's $25,000. And I'm immediately like, holy Shocked. crap. Like, are you kidding? Like, that's more than my college degree. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And then of course, all of those old beliefs, right? Kelly, like I, I didn't want to tell my husband mm-hmm. because he was going to think, he's like, okay, Julie, you just paid off all this debt and now you want to go and spend $25,000 right. for like some online yeah. think tank, you know? It was just like, I was so terrified. But I remember saying to myself, if I could just learn one thing and like mm. pay, like just one thing, I will pay myself back. So like, even if I just break even, because I knew that I, I had gotten myself as far as I could. And I was, and I almost, I was like, I didn't want to tell my husband, but I had learned that lesson. So like, I knew that I needed to tell him, but instead of going to him like this lost, hurt puppy dog to be like, um, hi, um, I was wondering if like, maybe I could like, um, do this math. Like, I'm not asking his permission. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to come from a place of empathy and just let him know, like, this is my life. Like, this is the next step for me. This is what I want to do. This is why I believe in it. These are my goals. This is my bigger vision. This is why I think this woman's going to be able to help me. I'm going to get on the payment plan, (laughs) but I would love your support if you can. But it it wasn't coming from this place of like, oh, I need to talk to my husband and get his permission. No, I'm going to share this with my husband and how much this means to me, you know, and and how much I want to do this. But I'm not going into it with this low self-esteem, low vibe, low confidence of like, I need to go and my husband needs to tell me it's okay. And that, just that energy shift was massive. Like, and I I was so afraid he was going to do, but because I came at it in this just clear and kind and just really came from the heart and really, like I had a script Mm -hmm. I wrote, like it was like a whole thing. (laughs) I love it. he he just opened, he was like- yeah. And he was just like, you know what, honey, you've, you've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. I'm going to say like, I am a little nervous, but I do trust that you'll figure this out. Like at the very least, like wow. just pay yourself back, you know? And so I did it. I, I just want to, yeah, I want to speak to that because I often say we often lack vision because we first lack sight. So the minute I see something in someone else, it's like, okay, 
she's like me. I do that. I know how to speak. I could learn that skill. All of a sudden you go, okay, this entire possibility opens up. And so same with me. It's like, if I could be in the space of this person for, and walk away with at least one thing, I look at investments as literally value added to me. Mm -hmm. I am the culmination of every literal investment I've made from the financial to the private island retreats to the coaches that I've had. So every client of mine gets the benefit of everything I've invested in. So it's not, I I actually don't even care if the the 25K, maybe 25K while I was in it. It's like, forget it. I'm taking everything I now am. I became, I almost see, is it like this energy field around me? It's like, zoom, 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 like bigger, bigger, bigger. million percent. When you're in a hour of time with me or when you're on a podcast episode with me, I'm not just bringing my hourly rate. I'm bringing this culmination of value added because you change. And so it just shifts your perspective. So I just want to like add that because masterminds being around, especially masterminds, you're around so many diverse women Mm -hmm. or different people that just like shift your world in so many ways. You're just like, where would I even begin to talk about the level of change in my perspective? So I wanted to add that because it's changed my life to be in masterminds as well. Yeah. And it's, and I think it's just, it's because I know so many women who wait years, if not their entire life, they never do it. Right. But they always have this thing. They always spot it. They always see it. And they always have all these reasons, all these excuses why they can't. Well, once this happens, then I'll fill in the blank. And, um, I, I, I just think that's important to note because I firmly believe that you can never make more than you've invested really in yourself. I completely agree in that. Like, I don't believe I could ever make as in a month yep. what more I than I've ever invested. spent, right? Like I, oh, so good. I believe I in that. And I also see a lot of, you know, women that come to me and they, they're either stuck or like they, you know, maybe they've hit a wall, right? They can't scale, right? They're like, I'm at 10K a month and yep. I've been that this way for three years and I just can't get past that. And it's like, well, you're terrified to spend money. So if, if you're coming with yeah. that energy, if you're flipping terrified to invest in yourself and spend money, how do you expect other people to spend money on you and to invest in you? Yeah. You're, you know, it's like, and I get it because I used to be that person. I mean, I used to be the person that if I had to pay $2 for parking, you would think I was destitute. I mean, it, it was just, it was mind boggling, like how crazy I used to view money. But I, I set my sights on that and I got very specific in that mastermind. My goal in that mastermind was to, of course, meet the women and just be in the energy, but it was to build a more refined revenue stream so I could literally make money while I sleep and I could get more time back. Mm. And I started working on a new marketing strategy. And then within nine months, I created a process that I have that I now teach women. I scaled my services, mm. but within nine months, it did not earn me 25,000. It earned me $1.3 million. Stop. And I was <laughs> hooked. I was like, okay, mastermind, <laughs> like what is happening? I was flabbergasted by how quickly I scaled when I allowed myself to, to not only be a match for it, but when I really refined, when I, when I learned how to work smarter and I started refining things and I started to automate things and systematize things that literally I started making what used to be maybe one or two sales a day, I was making six, seven, eight sales a day. And so it it just started to flow. And so since then, I've not only participated like you, Kelly, in a number of masterminds, but I've created my own for women who they want to experience that. And I think that it's, it's a constant cultivation and refinement of helping and leading Mm -hmm. women to get to new levels of success and freedom and spaciousness and whatever it is that they want. I think it's a constant evolution of that. But more than anything, beyond the strategic and beyond making, you know, all of that money in such a quick amount of time, the most valuable takeaway that I got from that mastermind was that successful people work on becoming the person that they need to be in the future so they get the results that they want today. And that was huge for me because it it wasn't about getting the results first to then build the confidence. 
It's about implementing the belief systems and the mindset first. So when the day arrives, you're actually going to be ready to meet Mm -hmm. it. And I think that that is why it happened so quickly for me, because I had done so much mindset work and so much self-concept work of getting myself ready. So when the day arrived, I was like prepared and ready to meet that day. Well, and I know that that has driven you to really help other women increase their ability to have more visibility bring that message online so that they can be making more money because you figured out this process. So if you would share any kind of thoughts or tips that, you know, an entrepreneur who's ready to now take it from, I make, I know how to make money to, I know how to make consistent money. Um, what does that visibility and scaling look like? Yeah. So a little bit of, um, kind of the, the method that I teach, um, it comes down to really three things. You've got your offer, and that really the number of offers you make. So you could have 10 things that you offer or one thing that you offer, but it's the number of offers mm-hmm. that you make minus the no's that you get equals your yeses. And it's just like a really mm-hmm. simple equation. So I like, I get it really simple. So like when you come into my world, I'm oh. like, how many offers did you make? How many no's did you get? How many yeses did you get? And if you want to grow and scale, you just have to grow every part of that equation. Now, where women get tripped up, and this is where pitching comes in, which is why that's also a big part of what I teach, is that women are terrified to hear no. They, they, they think mm. that that means something about them. So if we're not getting no's, it means that we're also not getting yeses, which means we're not making any offers. So you can't grow and scale if you're not growing and scaling the, the number of offers that you're making, the amount of no's that you're getting. So what I tell every woman that comes into my world to do in the beginning is I say, I want you to go out and I want you to make offers and I want you to get 100 no's. Now, the good thing about this mm-hmm. is that if you get 100 no's, it means that you're going to have a good amount of yeses in there too, right? Like at least like for every, yeah. for every 10 no's you get, you're going to get one yes. So you're going to have 10 yeses, which is awesome. You're going to have 100 <laughs> no's and you've just gotten a lot better at making offers. And so then you're going to come back and you're going to tell me about those no's. Why did, why did your prospects say no to you? And then once we know that, we can learn from our no's and we can refine the system and we can automate and we can scale. Now, typically, the only way that the equation doesn't work, and this is where we start to dive in, that's the equation. That's like the simple math of growing a business. Where it doesn't work is this. And it's only three things, always. You either have the wrong offer or you're offering it to the wrong person or you don't have your messaging and marketing dialed in. That's it. So we get the nose back and then we ask ourselves, okay, do we have the wrong offer? Did you offer it to the wrong person or was the messaging and marketing not dialed in? And then we start refining by not changing everything. That's another thing that women love to do. Oh my gosh, somebody said no to me. I just need to blow my business up and go create something entirely. It's like, no, <laughs> calm down. It's just like, stop, stop. The stop, mind stop. drama. <laughs> like, and, and it's just one, like, let's just go change one thing at a time. And most of the time, Kelly, it's not that it's not the, the right offer. They're usually either talking to the wrong person, right? And I say it like this. I'm like, I could have the best offer in the world. Like we've talked about, like I have a mastermind, right? And it's great for women who want to grow and scale and build their visibility. And there may be women that are listening to this and being like, wow, Julie Solomon has a great offer. But if I took that offer and I went into my two and a half year old's preschool class and I tried to offer it to a bunch of preschoolers, do you think I'm going to get any yeses? Probably not. No. So we have to offer... And I have a a beautiful sentence that I love to say to my clients. It's spend more time with qualified buyers. The more that we learn to Mm. spend more time with qualified buyers, the more we can serve, the more impact we make, the more money we make, the more everyone wins. So in order to do that, though, you have to know who is your ideal buyer. And most of the time, people are offering things to people who are not their ideal buyers. People that don't have money to spend with you 
not an ideal buyer. <laughs> if you are selling skincare yep. products and you're having to explain to someone why, why they should care about washing their face, probably not an ideal buyer. Not an ideal so buyer. So you, you got to get really <laughs> clear on who are you meant to serve and, and are you really showing up and serving them? And so if that's true, if you've got the right offer and you know that you're talking to the right person, then the second piece typically is that you haven't quite refined your marketing and messaging. You may be selling a Mercedes, but you're pricing it at a Mazda Miata price, which is then calling in a different type of buyer with a different type of message. So it's, it's about that constant refinement. So that's kind of a little way of like my crazy brain and how it works. And then once we, once we get those, those kinks figured out, then we automate it. We set it up. Um, so you can literally just make money while you sleep. It's, it's a really simple way to do it. I have some clients that are completely organic. You know, they do everything organically. I have some clients that use things like Facebook ads and Google ads to generate income. It works either way. Um, but that first piece is key with, with refining your, your prospect and your messaging. Well, and I found that to be true for myself that sometimes we think we generally know who our ideal client is, or we've got an idea of the offer and we make it up. And what we haven't done is go through the refining process that comes with coaching or branding or going through these kind of experiences that help ask the right questions so that you get even more crystal clear because we don't want to be vanilla online. Nobody wants vanilla ice cream, right? We want, it's like, I came here for moose tracks. Like that's what I was looking for today. And if you're not moose tracks, like I'm not interested. So I know you have a, uh, visibility um, event that's coming up. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that if some of the women listening want to be a part of that? Yes. So it's it's completely free. Um, it, it dives deeper into some of the concepts that I just shared. You can go to juliesolomon.net slash bootcamp to join. Um, it's happening... Um, March 20th through the 24th. And it's it's really simple. The first thing for me is that I like to create things the way that I like to consume things. So I'm not going to be asking you to come into a Facebook group every day and have to sit on some like two hour video. Um, you know, I, I want this to be very actionable and very um, meaty for you. So how it works is that it's going to be five days. I'm going to guide you through my specific formula to grow a six or seven figure launch strategy and a visibility strategy. So you're going to get very easy 10 to 15 minute like daily tutorial walkthroughs sent straight to your email inbox. There are very simple strategies that you can implement as you go because this is really about progress, not perfection. So you can take action now and then work on the refinement later. And then it's just giving you these simple assignments each day to not only grow your visibility and scale your offers, but to be able to share it with the world and start serving the people who actually need you most. So this is perfect for you if you're ready to kind of invest in and execute a next level phase in your work. If you feel like you're not attracting your ideal buyers and you're wanting to with some new messaging strategies, if things like growing your visibility and setting up some kind of way to automate how you sell so you don't have to physically be selling all of the time. If that's a focus for you, this would be great for you. Um, And then of course, if you're someone who either wants to consistently use or you currently use social media as a tool to grow your brand, this this would be great for you. Um, I will say just for for pure clarity, it's probably not going to be the best boot camp for someone who is more in that inspiration or ideation phase of their business. Or if you currently mm-hmm. have no offer or no buyer, or you don't even really know what you're doing yet. If that's you, that's, we all start there. I would say my podcast or maybe my book is a better first step. But if you've laid a bit of that foundation and you're ready to really clarify your message, call in that ideal buyer more, add more value with your messaging and marketing, potentially raise your prices because I love to help women do that and start um, not only doubling your sales, but really rooting into who you are as a thought leader and authority in your industry. Like if that calls to you, this would be a great, a great boot camp for you. Julie, I'm so happy. Thank you for just honestly letting us see you. Like I'm so happy to have brought you to the people that I call my family and my little podcast, you know, and my community, because I'm always saying to them, I'm literally bringing people that I respect 
my my word is truth. Like who I bring in to influence other people matters to me. My I know that my influence is important. And so just hearing your story and just your relatability and also your origin to overcoming story and just inspiring us with that and then letting us know how we can start to see more for our businesses. I'm just so grateful. So thank you for being with us on this podcast today. Thank you. And I think you just said something so important about not underestimating the power of your purpose and the power of your influence and impact. Um, I I think Mm -hmm. that that is something that I did for a very long time. And um, it was all meant for the greater good. But that is something that I hope listeners can take away with today is just remembering that because I really, even though my book is called Get What You Want, I don't think the world gives you what you want. And I don't think it gives you what you need. I think the world gives you who you are. And so the more Mm. that you can root into that and own that with love and compassion and excitement and enthusiasm and purpose and power, the greater impact we can have on the world. I love that. Well, you guys, all the ways that you can reach Julie will be in the show notes from her book to her podcast to this amazing boot camp. Um, so don't hesitate to click all of the links and connect with Julie and get in the DMs with her because I will say we got to meet in video and talk and all the things online. So we've got to build a real online friendship before we've ever gotten to be in person. So don't hesitate to connect. So thank you, Julie. Uh, thank you so much. And would love to connect with anyone who feels resonated with this um, on Instagram or wherever. So thank you for having me. Hey friend, thank you for listening. My goal is to empower as many women as possible. And if this episode supported you in any way, I would love it if you'd leave me a review or let me know on Instagram. You can take a screenshot or tag me or just shoot me a DM. If you're looking for any kind of additional support, don't hesitate to reach out at kellybrockco.com and I'll see you here next Tuesday. 